0: Amen. Well, welcome to the Moxie, everybody. Everybody's looking good. Oh, sorry, Brittany, you can have that. I was just stealing your Bible. It's never good when someone steals your Bible, is it? Yeah, sure it is. (laughs) Hey, by the way, if you need a Bible, please grab one. Um, They're around you. There's one over on the lamp over here. If you don't have one, if you're a first-time guest to Church Project, we're glad that you're here and we hope that you can um, relax. hope that you can enjoy this time together. And we've been walking through the book of Luke and we've been doing this for quite some time. Today, though, is a very special day, Karen. We are wrapping up chapter 13, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, open your Bible to Luke chapter 13. We're going to read verses 31 through 35. Uh, we've been walking through this for a while and it's, it's a very, very cool story. I think the the passage today is an incredible story. Because in, in my view, as we're reading this, we're watching Jesus. And up to this point, he's been walking along. He's been doing some incredible things and miracles. And he's been talking to Jerusalem at large and the people at large. But in this passage, we get to see Jesus turn a corner. We get to see Jesus start really just getting to the point of why he's here on earth. And so, if you would, open your Bible, chapter 13 verse 31. Uh, Thank you, Brittany, for reading that. Uh, Let me read verse 31 for you. At this time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Now, if you've been following along in Luke, this is a very strange thing that happens right here in this verse. These Pharisees. what's, What's happened so far? What's been the history with these Pharisees and Jesus up to this point? Well, think back just a little bit. Luke chapter 11, verses 53 and 54. Can I read those? Just to remind us the relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees at this time. This is what Luke eleven fifty three and 54 says. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions. Verse 54, waiting to catch him in something he might say. So we see the Pharisees going after him all the way back into uh, chapter 11. What about chapter 12, verse 1? It starts out and says this, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so we see Jesus and the Pharisees to this point. They're not, let's say, best buds. Uh, In fact, we see the Pharisees going after Jesus and looking for ways to just condemn him and kill him. Then we get to this verse. Is Is this strange to you? Is it strange to you that these same Pharisees that are going after Jesus, right here in verse 31, they come to Jesus and say, leave this place, go quick, like Herod's coming to kill you. And suddenly they're concerned? Why, why are they concerned suddenly? I think we see here a real, this is a spiritual lesson for all of us. And I think this is a, even a lesson for life. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus is not fooled. How many of us in our life, when we are coming up to a hard time in life, or or something is stressful that's going on with us, just something that, that we don't know how to deal with, and the very first thing that we do is we go and we seek advice of friends? How many of us do this? Don't raise your hand. Or, or we go to, even better, ask.com or something. Like, like we scour the internet looking for answers. Or, or we make phone calls to our closest friends. Or we send out text messages. And as Christians, it's disguised like this. It's a group message that says, Hey, pray for me. I have a big decision to make. Or something like that. And, and seeking godly advice is not bad. But how many of us bypass going to Jesus first and foremost with anything? Like we go to our friends for advice or, or we even come to church to get advice, but we take our eyes off of Jesus. See, Jesus is not fooled. Why is he not fooled by this friendly advice given by the Pharisees? Can I, can I read a passage? Colossians 2, 6 through 8. This is, this is a pretty cool passage. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 says this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the uh, elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Uh, Just because something seems good, doesn't mean that it is good just because your godly friend that, that you've been following their advice for years and years it seems good doesn't necessarily mean that it is good we look at this passage the pharisees are coming to jesus and wouldn't it feel good to be warned that you're about to die Thank you for warning me I'm about to die, that Herod wants to kill me. Thank you for that. Thank you for this great advice. But if we have never, as Christians, Christ followers, people that have been redeemed and bought back and keeping our eyes on Christ, if we never go to him first, if we don't go to him first, all the worldly advice means nothing. It could just be empty deceptions and shallow things of this world. See, Jesus knows when the Pharisees come that it's it's a trick. He knows that they don't really care about him. Why? Because he's keeping his eyes focused on Christ. Uh, my new advice, I'm a great counselor. I'm licensed and everything. Well, I'm not licensed at all. Um, any of you good at counseling and listening? How many of you have really good just empathy? You can, you can, you can really care for people. Anybody in here like that? Some, some of you, you're like, okay, Chad Hardy is like, nope, not at all, Okay. <laughs> Empathy is something I've had to kind of work on in my life. Believe it or not, I have, to, I have to work on that. And so, I'm not the best counselor in the world. But sometimes people want to talk to a pastor. Can I do this? Pastor. Or should I do hashtag? Is that the new thing? Hashtag pastor. Sometimes people want advice. And, and you know what I've learned throughout the years? The best advice I can do is even ask questions and point them back to, to Scripture. Because... I, I may know, and I can, I can give some advice. I really, really can. But the best advice we could ever give to our friends, to people around us, is Scripture. The best thing that we can do is point people to Jesus. Because when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, and we're listening to Him, then the rest of, the, of life is going to fall into place, and it's going to be exactly what Jesus has. So, here, here's something to think about. As someone giving advice... Have you prayed about the advice you are giving, and are you basing that advice off of scripture and someone that's seeking advice, do you go to Jesus first, the answer and author of everything, or do we run to text message or Twitter or friends as like a cheap substitute for the real godly truth? Something to think about a proverbs is 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 really cool if some of you are struggling in, in reading the Bible. If, if you're struggling in reading the Bible, here's a great place to start. It's, it's really just elementary, and it's, it's a great just system to read the Bible, and, and it begin introducing yourself to the Bible. And it's reading a Proverbs a day. So just, just grab a Proverbs, whatever day this is, this is the fourth, right? Grab Proverbs 4 and read that. And, and try doing that in Psalms as well. Just read a Psalms a day and start introducing yourself to Scripture and what God's saying and the advice found in Scripture. I, I did that this morning, and I think it's kind of funny. It's, it's neat how God always lines things up. And so, Proverbs 4, because it's May 4th, if you read it, I, I was reading and I got down to verse 14 and 15 today, and this is what it says Do not set your foot on a path of the wicked. Or walk in the way of the evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. And I thought, how how cool is that? That even this Proverbs that I'm reading today is just in line with our passage. Right? Jesus knows where he's going. These Pharisees are coming and they're trying to distract him. They're trying to get him off task. They're trying to instill fear in him. I don't know what they're trying to do. But Jesus has enough wisdom to say, no way. I've got a path, and I'm going down this path. That's a pretty cool thing. Church, there was a, there was a study done, I don't know, maybe, maybe five or six years ago by Willow Creek Association. Willow Creek is a huge, enormous church and has influenced church across the world in, in great, great big ways. And, and they did a study. It's called The Reveal. And what they did is they asked churches across the world, like, how are, you, how are you happy with your church, or are you happy with it, or are you growing in your church? And one of the reveals that came out, one of the things that came out in this study was just that people, um, oftentimes, after they've been in church for four or five years, they would start raising their hand and they would say, I don't like my church anymore. Like, they, they used to be passionate about their church. Just, I love this. But it seemed like about year four or five, uh, people would start raising their hand, and they would say, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just not doing it for me anymore. I, I don't know. It's just not deep enough anymore. I, I'm just not getting anything out of it anymore. And the church at large, we had to stop, and we had to ask ourselves a question. Why is this? Why, why are these men and women who just years ago passionate about God and about their faith are now coming up into these, this thing called the ecclesia that should be... This Sunday morning should be an awesome riot time here. Like, we're here with our family. We're celebrating. Like, this is a, a family reunion. So how can you show up and just say, it's not doing it for me anymore? Well, it's because we got the wrong idea as to what church is. We don't come here to just be fed and to leave for the next seven days and just kind of walk about it and barely limp back in on Sunday just to be fed again. No. Why are we together? We're here to spur each other on to love and good deeds. We're here to make disciples. We're here to run and follow after Christ If all we do is show up and ask each other for advice and we never focus on Christ, let's please shut our door immediately. We're going the wrong way. We would do a great damage to everyone in the church if we showed up and said, we are all wise. Let us teach you about the scripture. Do you like my my accent? That was a good accent. I've been working on that. How bad would we be? Like, we should be studying God's word individually. We should be keeping our eyes on Christ and keeping that passion that's there. Why? Because we realize what God has done for us. Like, each and every one of us. We have sinned in bad ways. Anyone in here not sinned? (laughs) Or any in here ever had a bad thought or did anything wrong? Like... There's this story that we can get lost in, and the story is this. God loves you, period. Remove everyone else from this room. God gave everything for you, period. The redemption story, this love story. And when we realize how much God gave up for us individually, it drives us to want to know more about who he is. To fall in love with his teachings and who he is. And it should drive our actions. Where we go throughout our day. What we do. How we think about it. Why? Because we never lose sight. We never keep our eyes off of Christ. That he died for us. And he loves us ultimately. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. Each and every one of us. And that's exciting news. That's what should drive us. So as this reveal study came up. And churches had to ask questions. What are we doing you know, it doesn't matter if I sit up here and teach you Greek. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter at all. What matters is that we reveal Jesus in this scripture and we leave instill into you a hunger to want and know more of what the scripture says and how you interact with it. Like my biggest prayer that I do every weekend, is that the Holy Spirit would, in each and every one of us, find His way into our heart and into our mind and remind us of of the story, God's redeeming story in our life, and bring us alive. Because if we do that, we're going to leave here. And when problems come, or when things happen, or you go about your day, the first thing that you're going to do is ask God your Father. You're going to go to Scripture. You're going to go into that, and you're going to keep your eyes focused on Christ. Not Twitter it out and ask for just human advice. Though that's not bad, but what do we do first and foremost? See, Jesus, as these Pharisees came, he knew. He's like, sorry Pharisees, You're not, you don't have my best interest in mind. This is trickery and I know this. Why? Because I'm keeping my eye focused on Christ. I know what he's put me here to do and I want to do it. Straight up, I'm going to do it. Let's, go. Let's get on to verse 32. Verse thirty-two, he says this, and he's saying it to Herod Antipas. He's the ruler of Galilee, and he he says this. He replied, "Go tell that fox." I love that. I wonder if that's like a badish word. I don't I don't know, but go 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 tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. He's now, he's talking, he's addressing Herod here. And he's saying, go tell that fox, I will do what God has put me here to do. And I will do it as long as it takes. I will do it as passionately as as I want to do it. So he's talking, he's saying, that fox, at this time, know that Herod has already killed John the Baptist. At this time, we already know that, that Jesus and Herod, you know, we have this side of the story. And so, so we can look back at the story, and we know that it doesn't go well with Jesus and Herod. Later, Jesus stands before him and, and really has nothing to say. Jesus is standing before Herod and really has nothing to say. And when Jesus is standing before you and he really has nothing to say to you, all hope is lost. Like, it's just like, I am who you say I am, Herod. You don't believe me. That's just the bottom line. You fox. (laughs) When we keep our eyes off of Jesus, it's a hopeless place. In this passage, it talks about the third day. On the third day, if you if you look, on the third day, I will do this, and tomorrow, and whatever, I'll, I'll rise. And and, the, and if you're into like numerology, uh, Jesus, is, I think he's referring to two kind of things here. One is when he was twelve year old. You remember when he was and he went and his parents lost him. Like a good parent, they lost him, and they came back and they found him three days later. What was he doing? He was teaching in in, in the temple courts. Pretty cool. Or if you're into numerology, you can also look and say, "Okay, Jesus rose after the third day," and so you can you can kind of look into that if you want. And that doesn't intrigue me too much. I think what he's saying here, more than anything, is just it doesn't matter today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I will do what God has called me to do. And Herod, by the way, you're not going to be able to interrupt that. Sorry, you fox. <laughs> This um, is a very cool thing, as we think about Jesus. He was so resolute on what God had called him to do that even at twelve, his parents couldn't temper that. They went back; he stayed and taught. Right now, Je- Herod and the Pharisees are trying to get him off course, and Jesus says, "No, you can't. You can't." Kill that in me because I'm here to do my Father's will and I want to do it. And not not even death can stop me from doing what I'm here to do. And no one can do um, what I'm about to do and I cannot be swayed. Jesus is driven by a love for mankind and he's driven by a passion and he's saying, I am here. I, I want to ask us this. How many of us in this room, we've kept our eyes on Christ how many of us in this room, we know what God has called us to do? Like, we know we're on this earth to tell people and show people God's love, and, and we're getting a clearer idea every day. Like, He narrows it in, and, and we see this, and we know that no matter what, we're going to stick to this, and we're going to do this. Like, Jesus had this resolve, and He was so driven for this. And it's a great example for our lives. Because, here's a question. If you knew today you were supposed to accomplish something and then someone came to you and said, hey, don't go do that. You're going to die by doing that. But you still knew that you needed to do that, would you? Or would you be like, God can use me another way and just kind of run away? I love the resolve here with Jesus. I know that he knew he was here on earth for one reason. And that for him was to ultimately die for our sins. To be the ultimate sacrifice for us. He knew he could carry this cross. He knew he could die because the result of this cross was a salvation of every human that calls on his name. That's pretty cool. He knew that he was about to die. And he kept on the path. Are you that resolved in your life? Or do little discomforts set you off? Little discomfort set me off. Like, I love being comfortable. If my coffee is not sweet enough, please give me another packet of sugar. Like, I love being comfortable. The temperature in my car has to be exactly 67 degrees or whatever I'm feeling for that day. Like, discomfort, you know, it's not comfort that's killing me. It's the continually wanting to be comfort that's killing me. Here we see Jesus, he's not seeking comfort, he's resolved. He knows he knows he may die even today and he's going for it. Church, are we keeping our eyes on Christ? Are we going for it? Let's go to verse 33. I, I like how in verse 32 he's talking to Herod. In verse 33 he turns and he starts talking to the Pharisees and he says this. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and for the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. If you think back to the Old Testament, I, I, I like the story of Isaac as he's carrying wood up with his son. and He's carrying a knife and he knows that he's supposed to make a sacrifice. But he doesn't know where the sacrifice is coming from. That is such a cool story. Jesus, if you look in this verse, he wore himself out ministering to other people. I mean, look at this in verse 33. He says, I must press on today and tomorrow. Does he say, I'm going to casually stroll at my comfort. Am I going to do that? No. He says, I'm going to press on today and tomorrow. Like, I'm going. There's a sacrifice to be made, and I'm going to be that sacrifice, and I'm pressing on. And I, 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 if you know church history at Jerusalem at this time, Jerusalem had a history of refusing to heed the message of prophets and to send her. So I think that's all it's referring to there in 33 about Jerusalem and prophets. So I'll let you find commentaries and kind of pick that one apart. My, my grandpa and I, as we were going through this passage, we landed on that verse and we're like, I'm not sure exactly what this whole prophet thing means in Jerusalem. And so I, I think it's pointing back and just saying, hey, Jerusalem at this time, it's obvious they're not heeding the advice and they're turning away prophets and ultimately they're going to turn away the, the mass of prophets. So, you guys pick up commentaries and go for it. On that one, I'll just say, I'm not sure what it's talking about. Is that okay to say that? Is that okay? Chad, that, that's okay? Ray's like, no, I want answers. Give me answers now. Here, go feed yourself. Go find answers. Okay, Let, let's go to verse 34. Because in 32, he's talking to Herod. In 33, he's talking to Pharisees. In 34, he's talking to his people. And this is a passage that I, we begin to see Jesus talking in, in a whole different language. In 34, he's talking to his people. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. When you repeat a word, you mean it. Like Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And I think Jesus here is, he's lamenting for his chosen people. He's, he's full of sorrow. And he's saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. His people um, represented by Jerusalem. And, and then he gets into this story right here. And, and let's just read it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Can you picture him crying? out for his people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes In the name of the Lord. How many of you grew up on a farm? A few of you grew up on farms. I grew up in kind of a semi-farm. Like we had sheep sometimes, maybe just for 4-H or, you know, pigs. I hate pigs. Man, those things are annoying. And we never had chickens. We had rabbits, but the coyotes ate them. Like we had some animals. But if if you grew up on a a farm, you, you can kind of relate to this a little bit. As I was kind of reading through this and thinking about even this verse, I came across a story, and the story was there was a barnyard fire. Did I say that right? whole barn caught on fire. All these animals inside died. And then they went to the chicken coop. Is it called chicken coop? They went to the chicken coop, and there was a hen, and she was scorched, and she she was done, like dead. But under her wings were the little chicks alive. Through the barn, Fire. Can we picture this? What an incredible story of who Jesus is and who we are. What an incredible story about the world around us. What an incredible story about what Satan wants to do to each and every one of us. But yet, what Jesus has already done for us. The world around us, the sin nature in us, Wants to kill us, destroy us. Satan wants to take us out. And Jesus comes along and even in this, this little story here, just like a, a, a hen gathers us under her, his wings. It's hard doing this her, his illustration thing here. <laughs> gathers us under his wings and says, I will protect you and I will shield you. You are covered by my blood and my life. I have instilled into you hope. Even if the world is a raging fire around you, full of death and hate, you are here under my wings. Are you keeping your eyes focused on me? Psalms 91 4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. In Miami, I dropped out of college. I moved to Miami to start a rock and roll band. Woo! yeah. We were terrible, but it was a lot of fun. And I was young, and I was naive, and growing up on kind of a farmish area. I didn't have a lot of street smarts. And I think back on Miami, and I go, wow, how am I not dead? I went to places and did things that, Wow scare me to death. Maybe because I'm getting old now and I'm just like, I don't even want to stay up past 10 o'clock. You know, I don't, I don't know. But I think back on Miami and maybe you can think back on times of your life when you're like, God literally saved me. It saved me. Plucked me out of death. Whatever it may be from this situation, whether you're rock climbing and it starts raining and you're 50 feet up in the air going, oh dear God, please save me. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. You know, or whatever it may be. See, God in each and every one of us, if we've called on his name, he's literally plucked us from death And we are under his wings and we are protected by his love and his hope. Does that mean we won't die? Oh, no, surely not. See, we may die one day serving him and loving him. Jesus was sent here to die for us and he knew that. And he was resolute on on going to the cross for us. But isn't it a comforting image in your mind? Thinking of Jesus gathering you under his wings, protecting you. Even when the barn is on fire. Hmm. Any of you dealing with stress, depression, worry, fear, anxiety, things that you don't know what's going on in your life, like you're overwhelmed today? Can we do this in this moment? I know it's not normal. Welcome to Church Project. In this moment right now, can you just close your eyes and can you just take this little image, just a snapshot of whatever you're going through right now. Picture Jesus with his, with his wings coming and covering you and saying, child, I love you. It's okay. I've got this. We get to verse 35. He says, look... Your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem is destroyed by, by the Romans in sixty eight seventy AD. And Jesus is referring to this. And according to extra-biblical writings of Josephus, this is what went down when Jerusalem was, was destroyed. It says that roofs were thronged with famished women with babies in their arms. Alleys were filled with corpses of the elderly. Children and young people roamed like phantoms from starvation. There was no lamenting or wailing because famine had strangled emotions. And there were too many bodies. They flung them over the wall. This is what happened when Jerusalem was destroyed. They had lost all hope. They had put their hope in the wrong places. Jesus, at this point on, begins to not teach the masses. He begins to focus in on the disciples and he's addressing, he's not addressing the nation anymore. He's addressing the individual people and he's saying, I'm resolute on the cross and I'm going forward. And the Pharisees, the Herod, my, Herod, my parents, whomever I come across now, they cannot distract me from the will of my Father. Here I go. I'm on this earth for this reason. I love the people that I've created and I am going to be their ultimate sacrifice and I will gather them like chicks under my wings that's beautiful Jesus fully understood why he was here and he had us in mind I want to um, give you one more story and then we'll close it out some of us today were so worried about whatever may be going on in our life we're so worried about the future. We're so worried about the past. Maybe even regrets for the past or things like... Th- today, if I were to ask the question, are you at peace? Are you happy right now? You would say, not really. Like, there's, there's things going on in me that it's just kind of turmoil. And, I, and if I can be honest, I'm in and out of that daily. Are you? Here's my story. I, as I was still in college... I, I was in Virginia. And my mom and dad lived in Gunnison. And that's a pretty long drive, by the way. If you've ever driven from Lynchburg, Virginia, to Gunnison, Colorado, it's over 24 hours. It's a long drive. And I had made that trip a couple times, and I knew that my mom stressed out all the time about this trip. Like, she just worried. Like, her... her Crazy son driving across country in, her, in a Mustang that may or may not break, and picking up random hitchhikers and all the crazy stuff that I would do. Like she just worried, and so I, I knew this one Christmas, and so I said, "Hey mom, you know I'm gonna leave on on Thursday, and I'm gonna drive home. So you know, pray for me, you know, or whatever. I'm gonna, you know, pray for me." Reality was though I'd, I left on like Tuesday evening, and so. I call her as, as I'm, she's at work, I call her and she's like, hey, are you, are you about to leave? I'm like, yeah, I'm on the road now. Well, I wasn't lying, I was on the road. I was like a block away from her work, you know, but she's like, oh, okay, I'm so worried about you, I'm going to be praying for you and all this stuff and, you know, two minutes later, I come strolling into her office and she's like, oh, you know, like, that's so you know, she didn't worry. And that's like a cool gift that a poor college kid can give his mom, you know. And, and I, would do, I would do stuff like this. But reality, that's our story right now, people. Like, we worry about things so much. And Jesus is already there saying, I've already taken care of it. I don't know what I just did. Uh, sorry, sorry, Pi. Uh, I've already taken care of that. Like that worry, that stress, that thing, that regret, that all that, that sin nature, everything. I've already taken care of that. If you have any time in my life, if you have looked, locked eyes with me and you keep focused on me and you've called on my name and you've surrendered control of your life to me, it's done. It's like he's already there when we just start worrying about that problem. It's like my mom started to worry about me traveling when I was already there. What a relief What a relief to know that God has already paid everything for us. Our job? Show up and lock eyes with him. And when the Pharisees come, when Herod comes, when worry, anxiety, when Satan tries to kill us, when that comes, we can say, sorry, sucker, Jesus has already paid for this. I'm a child of king. I'm here on purpose, and I will serve him no matter the cost. This is a cool, cool passage, isn't it? This is awesome. This is the gospel storage story. This is love. This is hope. And if you're not getting the beauty of it in this moment, good. Go home and read it for yourself. Spend time in quiet and let God speak his love to you through this passage. And if you're a manly man and you can't focus and you can't image, you can't put that image of yourself being a little chick under his arms, maybe you should. Take some time humbling yourself, dropping your pride and calling out on the name of Jesus. I want to ask us right now if we would just, just close your Bibles and spend some time just reflecting on, on who Jesus is, what he's already done. Maybe you find yourself in, in this place, and as you think about who Jesus is, you, you say, I've never called on his name. I've, I've never just said, God, here is my life. I've never repented of, of any sins. I've never asked for forgiveness. Like, if we've never done that, I want to ask you right now whether you believe in who God is or not, just, just talk to him. Say, God, show me what I would be without you. And may I realize the depths of my sin, and may I realize the sacrifice that you paid. You gave your only son the ultimate sacrifice for me. Wow. God gave his only son to die for each and every one of us. Have you lost the power of that? Have we lost the power of that? Just in this place, would you just close your eyes and just thank God. Say, God, thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you've given for us. Thank you for this love story, for redeeming a people far from you. God, in in my life, may I not run to others. May, May I not run to Twitter. May I not run to anything in the world, but may I run to you. May I find my identity in you. May I get my instruction from you. May I never lose focus on you. May life be about you. God, I pray that if there's any of us in this room today, that we're living life on our own, separate from you. But today we would call out your name. That today would be the day that we stop trying life on our own and we focus on you, surrender control of our life to you. I want to ask us a question in this room. What's gripping you? Is it a fear? Is it anxiety? Is it addiction? Is it confidence? Is it, what's gripping you? And just picture taking that thing and making a a ball of it in your hands and just offering it to Jesus, saying, Jesus, here it is. May I not be worried about stuff of this world or things of this world, but may I find my identity in you and focus in on you. And would you take this thing that's gripping me right now? You've already taken it, but I've been holding on to it. Would you please just give me the power to let it go and to trust you? Church, this is a beautiful message of hope and love for us. So I'm going to give us an opportunity just to respond to that. In a minute, Jeremy and the the worship team are just going to lead us in, in song of praise. Praise. And when you're ready, would you join us in singing? praise to him, thanking him for what he's done for our lives, the hope he's given us maybe that means you just you stand in awe and thank God for what he's done but would we praise him together say thank you God maybe God's working something in your heart right now Maybe you have a prayer request or or something you just need help with. If that's the case, please fill out that response card that's on the table in in front of you. Write down a prayer request or or say today for the first time I've I've trusted God as my Savior. Or or whatever it may be, write that down if you want to talk to one of us and, and put it in the offering over here on your right, that offering box. But this moment right here is between you and God. And I pray that you respond to what he's prodding in you right now. That you don't listen to the advice of the world, but you find your identity in who he is. For those of us that, that have kids in, in the Project Kids area, I'm going to ask that this first song is just you. Just you worshiping God in this place. And then afterwards, if if one of the parents will take the card and, and retrieve the kids and come back in here and we can worship together as a family, that's a beautiful thing. But church, the call out today is this. Jesus has paid it all. And are we focused in on Him? And are we giving Him control of everything? Regardless of what Herod, what the, what the Pharisees, what people around us are doing or saying, Are we resolute on what he's called us to do? And are we finding our identity in him? That's an awesome story. God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray that we don't negate that. I pray that we don't lose lose just focus on how powerful that is. May each and every one of us find our identity in you. And thank you for our very life today. In your name we pray. Amen.